so thankful that you're here today. Uh, if you're, if you're a uh, first time worshiping with us, welcome to Judah. We're so grateful that you're here today. Um, so thankful that of all the places you, get, you had to go, you chose to run to a place called Praise. We're grateful that you're in the house of God with us today. We have a gift for you. If you'll stop by our welcome desk on our way out, we have a little gift for you as our way of saying thank you for being a part of Judah. We're going to move into our tithes and offerings now. How many are grateful that we do not have to live according to the world's economy? Listen, if, if you're counting on the stock market, you better have a whole lot of faith. Hallelujah. If you're counting on the White House, you better have a whole lot of faith. Hallelujah. If you're counting on Congress and the Senate, you better have a whole lot of faith. Hallelujah. And if you're counting on this new trillion dollar thing they just passed, you got a whole lot more faith than me. Hallelujah. What I do know is that I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I have never seen his seed have to go begging bread. The reason why M and I are tithers, we are givers, is because we know that when we give, when we sow, when we are a good steward of what he's given to us, that the Bible says, the, the word tithe in the Hebrew, it means literally given to God for destruction. In other words, when we sow, when we give, when we operate in good stewardship, it breaks the spirit of mammon off of our money. My brother told it to me this way. He said, I would rather be 90% blessed than 100% cursed. And the reason why we tithe is because we know that when we set it apart for holy use, for holy destruction, it breaks the spirit of lack. It breaks the spirit of poverty. It breaks the spirit of mammon off of our money. So that even if we go through tough financial times, we can lean on the fact that he'll even take that tough thing and work it together for our good and for his testimony of how great he is. Somebody say amen. Tithing, you can give in the stewardship centers in the, on, there. There's a QR code in front of you if you're an online giver. I want to bless you today. Father, bless every steward. Those that are returning their tithes and ones that are giving in their offerings. We ask you, Lord, for supernatural increase that supersedes the culture and the economy of our day. Increase them a thousand times more than what they are. Fulfill every promise that you have given them. In the name of the Father, the freedom of the Son, the power of the Spirit of God, we say yes and amen. And everybody who trusts in Jesus said amen this morning. Amen. God bless you as you give today. Well, this is um, the day that that has been designated as uh, Pastor Appreciation Day. And um, for the last several weeks, I know that they've had announcements at the end. I've, I've scooted out of here. And um, this earlier this week, they, they gave, the, the, the church forwarded on behalf of you our, our Pastor Appreciation. And from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you. From the bottom of my heart. I, I said this about three years ago. Three years ago, for Pastor Appreciation, this congregation, um, they, they gave me my truck. I love my truck. I love my truck so much. I love my truck more than my kids. And the only reason I'm leaving it with my kids is because she's standing right here with me. But I love my truck so much. I, I made the statement for years. I said, man, I, I don't know if I could ever receive a greater gift. I, I don't know. You just peaked. I don't know what we can do. I, I can't imagine any, any greater gift of, of, of generosity than, than that, that truck. Um, people, people talk to me all the time. Every time they slide in or whatever, they go, man, PG, you keep your, your truck so clean. And it's not because I'm a clean freak. It's because I'm a good steward. 
It's, it's, not, it's my gift, but it's your generosity. So it's a reflection of you, how I treat it. And so I, I, do, I do very, I do diligence. Now, not to the level of a detailer waxing it every time, Joshua. But, but to the best of my ability, I keep my truck as clean as possible because I want you to know I steward the gift of generosity that you've given. And, and I've made this statement so many times. When, when we planted this church nine and a half years ago, we planted... And I was a youth pastor full-time at a, at a church of about 12, 1,500. And we took a significant pay cut to plant this church. I had people tell me all the time, what in the world are you doing planting a church? Are you crazy? You've got this church of this many people saying that they'll, they'll let you be their pastor. This church of this many, this church. You could go pastor to another church. Denominational people coming and pursuing us. And art churches, if you know anything about church. They, oh, you can do this. And I did all that. And, and, and I'm, just, I'm just the kind of person. It, it's, it's really an apostolic anointing if you understand that at all. I would rather fail because of what I did than decide to become the captain of a Titanic. And years and years and decades of failures in somebody else's leadership, and then I come along, and then I'm, I'm trying to bail water versus really cast vision. And we planted this church nine and a half years ago. We took a significant pay cut to be able to do this because, watch this, we believed God. And people said we were crazy for doing it. I had denominational leaders look me in my face and say, you can't build a church here in this city. And with as much respect as I could conjure up in that moment of disrespect, I look at them and said, I may not be able to build your church, but if God will bless this, we'll build his. And for nine and a half years, man, we, we've gone through this process. And from the bottom of my heart, I, I love you. I, I love the culture of this house. I love the kingdom mindset of this place. And, we took a significant, from a youth pastor, and if y'all don't know, youth pastors don't make nothing. And we took a significant pay cut, even from youth ministry at a, at a very, very large church to dig this thing out. And then three years ago, y'all give us what, what I said at that time was one of the greatest gifts that I could ever even imagine. But this week, you superseded that. And from the bottom of my heart, I thank you. And here's why, if you know, there's all types of leadership. I'm, I'm what would be described as a visionary leader. I lead according to vision. If you're a visionary leader type person, you understand this. I live in the future every day. The downside of being a visionary leader is I tolerate the present because I spend all of my time focused on the future. If, you, if you're a visionary leader, you get it. If you don't understand that, then I, you just pray for me. But I tolerate the day because of how focused I am on where we're going. I, it frustrates me where we're at. By nature, that's, that's the leader I am. The gift you gave this past week was so humbling to him and myself. Because you didn't give it to us. You gave it to my children's children. While we took a pay cut to dig this thing out nine years ago, to God be the glory last year, we, we crossed over what we took a pay cut of to be able to get into last year. To God be the glory for that. But what you gave this, this, this pastor's appreciation was for my grandkids. There's still seed in my children right now. But the Bible says a wise man will leave an inheritance to his children's children. And what you did for us this week 
was you helped build an inheritance for my children's children. And from the bottom of my heart, I thank you and I love you. I'm so appreciative of that. You better talk because I'm getting sentimental. Good morning, guys. Good to see you. Um, I just, you know, I know he shared a lot, um, and I just want to speak for myself because so many times I tell people I, I, we have the best people at Judah. And I heard the Lord say, tell them. So I'm telling you, I love you. I'm grateful for you. Some of you are new faces. Some of you are faces that have been with us from 10 years ago, from 20 years ago. You know, we've been in ministry over 25 years, and we've ministered to a lot of people in 25 years. So to say that we have the best people, I, I don't say that lightly. I'm a northerner, and maybe all northerners aren't like this, but when I moved to the south, I felt like everybody told everybody they loved everybody. Everybody was affectionate, and I was not. So if I said I love you, I really mean I love you. So I don't know if all northerners are like that. Maybe it was just the way I was raised. But, you know, as a northerner that moved to the south, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. And, you know, we had just taken a couple days of vacation, and we went to one of my bucket lists was, was the Grand Canyon. And I was just reminded of the vastness of who God really is. And he shared a little bit about our journey of nine years ago planning this church, and we took a pay cut. But I say to you, we had no income. There wasn't just a pay cut. We stepped out on faith where neither one of us had a job. I had, the Lord had just called me to homeschool my kids. And then he said, okay, here you go. So here I am homeschooling my kids. I'm not even working. He doesn't have a job, but we trusted the Lord. And when I thought about the Grand Canyon and how great God is, it reminded me of 10 years ago when we stepped out and trusted that great God of the Grand Canyon. And we stepped out and said, God, if this is what you're calling us to do, we're going to do it. And let me just say to you and remind you, you may be in a situation right now where you're looking at the Grand Canyon and you don't know how God's going to provide. If you just lay it at the foot of the cross, I promise you, he will make a way. He is a mighty God. And to those of you that maybe are, are a little bit higher and in different places right now, just it's our job to remind those that are struggling of how good God is and how faithful God is because you grow the greatest in the greatest time of need because you get to see the God of the miracle. Amen. And we got to see the God of the miracle. And now there's a foundation for Judah. But let me just say this. We are not done. Because as we looked at that Grand Canyon, you all know the city that's close to the Grand Canyon. And as I walked around the streets of that city, I was reminded of how many people need Jesus. There's a lot of work for us to do. So we have laid the foundation, but now it's time to dig in and, and pour in and win people to Jesus because this is just the beginning. The best is yet to come. Yes, our world is in chaos, but guess what, people of God, mighty bride of God? It's our opportunity to rise up and shine for the glory of God. Amen? It is our opportunity to see miracles take place because there's chaos. And when the people of God step out over that vast, vast canyon, and we get to see that there's nowhere to step on, but the people of God will take the step and walk across, that's when people will be one to Jesus because they get to see the miracles. So again, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I thank you for pouring into legacy, and let's run. Let's run for the kingdom. Let's take back the keys of the kingdom, and let's do what the Bible says. We're going to take by force what belongs to us over this city in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's close in prayer. Lord, have mercy. Jesus preached. Amen. Amen. We love you. 
Father, I just ask you to return not 30, not 60, but a hundredfold. No, God, I pray Deuteronomy 111, a thousand times more than everything they put back into us. We honor you. We bless you. We are not worthy. Lord, we honor you. We bless you. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1 is where we're going to be today. We're in the series entitled Plan B, and today is going to be probably one of the most challenging confrontational messages that we've had in this entire series. And before we get into the context of what you and I must be, we must understand the essence of who he is first. The subtitle of this message in the series, Plan B, is Be Holy. 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 Before I talk about our holiness, I feel like it's very important for us to understand the holiness of God. Now, if you came out of Pentecostal charismatic holiness movement, I'm going to preach some stuff today that's going to make you feel real good. If you did not come out of that movement, if you did not come out of that place of the kingdom, that's okay. I'm still going to preach something that's going to make you feel really good. Because I'm going to talk about the holiness of God. Holiness is such an important thing. Watch this. Because of all the things that God is, the center of all that God is, is holy. I need you to understand that the word holy, it means, watch this, it's his holiness that separates him from his creation. The reason why God is holy is because he is not in equal to anything that he created. Holiness is the defining attribute of God that all of the other attributes center around. Without the holiness of God, you do not understand the significance of his love. He is a God. God is love. It's one of his attributes. But it's not just love like ice cream, love like a puppy, love like your truck, love even like your wife, or love like your, your children. It is a holy love. He's not just omnipresent, present, but because of his holiness, everywhere he's present, there is a holiness about his presence. It's not that just he's just truth, but he is holy truth. It's not that he's just the God of peace, but when his peace comes, it is a holy peace. Because all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, he is described as a holy God. This word holy is very significant and strategic because it means three different words to create this one thought called holiness. Number one, it, it is separate. When you are called holy, what you're saying is the one that is holy is, number one, is separate. It's a separate issue. When your relationship with God is holy, it is separate. It's not like just any other man. It's not just like any other woman. Watch this. There is not any other relationship that compares with this relationship because it's a separate issue. It's a separate relationship altogether. When you come before a holy God, it is a separate issue altogether. Not only is it separate, but number two, it is singular. In other words, there is nothing else to compare this relationship with. You can't really look. You can parallel a marriage. You can parallel between a father and a child. You can make parallels, but you can't make comparisons. 
There's no other relationship with any other thing that is not holy that you can compare a holy relationship with. It is separate, it is singular, but number three, it is special. It's special. It, it's so special that you can't come into it casually. It, it's so special that you can't come into it in a common way. It, it's different when it's holy. It's separate. It's singular. It's special. It's, it's not like any other relationship. It can't be compared with any other relationship. And I can't be casual about it like any other relationship. Ah, a few weeks ago, our, our social media girl on staff, we posted this, this little fun TikTok video of, of no coffee in, in the sanctuary. And if you walked in today, it doesn't matter which door you walked into, you'll see big signs that says, don't come in here with coffee. This is a holy place. Well, we did a little spoof on our TikTok video, or, you know, just, to, just, just to say, a reminder, if you're first time coming in, you know, whatever, and you're, you're a seeker, you're trying to figure this stuff out, man, I don't have coffee cops. You got me? I don't have coffee cops running around here, so you're going to have a coffee, you're going to die and go to hell in Jesus' name, there's none of that. We may hit you with a water gun on the way out, but, but we don't have coffee cops, Okay? So we, we made this little video, and, and it was amazing to me as I got the report of how many other churches took shots at us for making this or calling this a holy place. I'm not going to throw shade at you. My response to you is, when you pastor your church, you can do whatever you feel like is going to work when you stand before God. I'm going to do what I feel like I'm going to do to stand before God. Because I came out of the old school. We, we didn't have a ghost. We had a Holy Ghost. We didn't even have a spirit. We had a Holy Ghost. You didn't come. If there was even a little bit of sin in your life, and you walked up into the church, you kept waiting on thunder and lightning. Very, very frightening. Galileo, you know, we're going all this stuff. Oh, so stupid. We're going through all this stuff, man. It's like, oh my God, I got stuff in here. God, don't strike me dead. I remember because it was holy. It was holy. It wasn't, listen, drink coffee in the foyer, drink coffee in the meeting room. Come to my office. I drink Starbucks every day. Y'all pray for me. But when I come in here, it's different because this is not common. This is not casual. I, I don't want you to casually approach the throne of grace. I want you to boldly approach the throne of grace. And I don't want you to be d trying to figure out, was that the Holy Spirit or was that extra espresso that just hit me? I want you to know what it means to encounter God. And if there's sin, I don't want you to have to trip over a cup to find the cross. Took all of these shots. Took all of these shots from other charts. Well, we do a series every year this time of year on Jesus in the movies. Well, great. I don't want to go to the movie theater to find Jesus. Bless God, I've seen some of the movies. We need to be bringing Jesus to the movie theater. 
Eat your popcorn. I want his presence. Drink your coffee. Fine. But I want communion. Because this is separate. This is singular. This is special. It's so special that when the messenger angel, uh, Gabriel came down to Mary and told her that she was going to conceive the Christ child, the song that she sang, Luke chapter 1, verse 49, listen to one of these, one of these lyrics that she said. She didn't even get out of the first verse, y'all, before she wanted to talk about how great it is. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. In other words, you can't name the name of God without talking about how holy that God is. You can't name the name of Jesus. Not only is, he, is Jesus holy, but his name is holy. In Isaiah chapter 6, in the, king, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. And they're, 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 Isaiah is, is talking about what is happening in the room of this train that has filled the temple of God. And look what he says. Two angels came down, and one cried to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Listen to me today. They didn't say truth, truth, truth is the Lord of hosts. They didn't say grace, grace, grace is the Lord of hosts. They didn't say love, love, love is the Lord of hosts. No, the only thing that Isaiah could do to describe the power of this moment was not to say it one time, not to say it two times, but he said separate, singular, special is the Lord of hosts. Separate, singular, special is the Lord of hosts. Separate, singular, special is the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is full all of this glory that is secular, singular, and special. Because at the heart of who he is is holiness. Isaiah goes so far as to say in Isaiah 57, 15, look at this. For thus, thus saith the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. God inhabits eternity whose name is Holy, I will dwell in high and a holy place. Hear me today. The only place that God will dwell, if he is a holy God, will be in a holy place. This is the crux of the matter in our culture today. Paul is writing to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 10. Look at what he says. He says, for men are ignorant to the righteousness of God. To the holiness of God. Men are ignorant to God's holiness, his righteousness. They're ignorant to just how separate he is. They're ignorant to just how singular he is. They're ignorant to just how special it is to be in a relationship with him. This is why John wrote in 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. There is not an ounce of unholiness in him. He is perfect in his holiness. He is completely light. There is not an area, there is not a place in God where you will find even a hint of darkness. But you know what we do? 
We, we have our sin grading system. If you abduct a child, you rape that child, and you kill that child, and you get caught, buddy, listen, hell is not hot enough for you, in my opinion. Y'all are not going to talk to me, are you? Hell is not hot enough for somebody that will abuse. uh, Abduct, abuse, destroy. There is not a lake of fire hot enough for that person, in my opinion. So we say that's the really bad sinner. And then we come to the, just the bad sinner. Right? Right? The bad sinners. You know, you sit beside, there's somebody on your road that fits this category. Right? You know, they got some kind of addiction. They, they stole. They, you know, they hit somebody, manslaughter. They got, you know, it's, it's, what it, you know, it's just bad sin. It's bad. It's bad sin. Bad. Bad sin. And then you got the Kind of bad sin. You know, it's kind of bad. You know, it's kind of. And then the category probably the most of us feel like we fit in is the, uh, is it really sin? <laughs> is, it, is it really sin? Like, really? I mean, he made all the plants. I love my job. Was it fermented? Was it unfermented? How drunk is drunk? Is tipsy? You know, yeah. It's just a little gossip on Facebook. So you would never kill them with a gun, but you'll kill them with a comment. It's just, ah, the Lord knows my heart. He does. You're right. He does. Hear me. With God, there's no grading system. The wages of so whether it's a is it really all the way down to Hitler the payment is still the same this is why Jesus went don't be talking about the splinter when you got a beam, don't, don't, don't be trying to, don't do that. Because your beam is the fact that you pointed out the splinter. Help me, Holy, Holy Ghost. Because God is not, he doesn't have a grading system. Watch this. Most of us want to be judged on the grade of a curve. But what he's doing is he's going to grade us on the cross, not the curve. Hear me. Matthew 25, 41. 
Jesus tells us that hell has been created for Satan, for the devil, and his fallen angels. That the reason why he created hell was not for us. And I don't know how you feel, but I'm so glad to know today that Jesus does not grade Satan on a curve, but he grades him on the cross. Because if he's going to grade you and me on a curve, he's got to grade Satan on a curve. But if he's going to grade me by way of the cross, blessed be unto God, that punishment does fit the crime, and he created it from there. Listen to me. He didn't make hell for you or me. But the extreme of hell is an indicator of the penalty for sin. So hear me. Heaven or hell is determined by what leader you're following. What leader you're following will determine heaven or hell for you. Period. This is such the great contrast of God for me on a personal level. Is how can you hate sin so much? And as extreme as you have for the hatred of sin. Pastor, I don't know that he hates sin. Look at the way he judged his own son. He judged his own son for the sins of the world. And as extreme as the cross was, as extreme as the lake of fire is for Satan, is as extreme as he has for sin, yet it is also matching in the extreme he has of love for the sinner. That, that while you and I were yet sinners, he went to an extreme measure to keep us out of an extreme wage. This is the great paradox for me, that how can you hate sin at such a place, on such a level, yet love me just as extreme? I, I don't know how to truly articulate the comparison, except for when my dad was going through leuke leukemia. Here, here he has leukemia in his body, and they are taking chemotherapy. And they are pinpointing the cancer in an attempt to preserve the person. That they would take the extreme measures of killing cancer to preserve the person. It is the only way I can even scratch the surface of trying to articulate what the cross of Calvary has done for you and me. That he's putting the cross up against the cancer of sin in an attempt to preserve the purity of the person that he loves with an everlasting love. Hear me today. God will not send you to hell. You'll choose that yourself. Well, just pastor, I'm not choosing. To not choose is to make a choice. Following the leader. Simply because of how holy he is. I, I know this is not popular preaching. But all the doors are locked and you're going to be here for the rest of it. 
But here's the power of it. You ready? I took the time to throw it on the screen for you. Anywhere the Holy One came had to become holy for Him to remain there. You will never find a place in Scripture where Holy One, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, where the Holy One came that it had to become holy in order for him to remain in that place. Ah, the easiest place for me to show you this is in Exodus chapter 3, where Moses has now stumbled upon a bush that has been caught on fire. Listen, the bush didn't make the ground holy. The fire made the bush holy. And the fact that the bush had roots in the ground and the fire was on the bush that had the roots came into the ground, that is what made it holy. And that's why God looked at him in that burning bush, Moses, in Exodus chapter 3 and said, Son, take off your shoes. This is not casual. This is not just any other ground. This is not just any other place. No, this is a separate place. This is a singular place. And this is a special place. Take off your shoes for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. I'm here, the Holy One is here, therefore the ground is holy. And I don't know how you feel, but it's my desire for my house to be holy ground. It's my desire for this house to be holy ground. I don't want to remove every barrier because I want Him to show up and be separate, singular, and special in my life. He made the ground holy. In Exodus chapter 20, God gives them the Ten Commandments and He makes even a day holy called the Sabbath. He said, I want you to keep the Sabbath, and I want you to make this day, keep this day holy. In other words, if you will keep me in the day, the day will be able to keep you even against the toughest of days. God came, and he made ground holy. God came, and he made days holy. And I'm so glad in Luke chapter 22, Jesus comes in, and they're at the table of the Last Supper. Everybody's eating bread, and everybody's drinking wine. Everybody's doing this stuff, but God grabs the bread. He grabs the wine. He takes it, and he blesses it. He makes it holy. And that's why you and I call it Holy Communion. Because we can go get bread at Jim and Nick's, y'all. But what makes the difference between the bread in here and the bread over there is that it has now first gone through the hands of the master. What looks like bread in one place has become the body of Jesus in another. What looks like juice in one place has become the blood of Jesus in another place. God can even make food holy when he's invited into it. Uh-oh. Those of you that have been blessed to be married, we don't call it matrimony. We call it holy matrimony. In other words, this is a relationship that's different than any other relationship. This is a separate issue altogether. This is a singular issue. Uh-oh. This is a singular issue altogether. I'm not talking about Mormons. I'm t Boy, at 11.30, I'm going to wear this one out. I'm telling you. Because I won't be recorded. Oh, my, it's going to be awesome. Watching people squirm. It's holy. It's covenant. You don't stand before the preacher. You stand before a God. And you're coming into covenant, blood covenant, with each other because of the blood covenant of Jesus Christ. It is holy matrimony. 
And in, spite of, in light of that holy matrimony, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 tells us that sex is holy. All the women just said amen. Men, you just missed your moment. Married men, I hope. Oh, did you? It's holy. It, it, it is holy fun. Maybe you're not doing it right. I'm going to invite you to the marriage conference next year. It's holy fun. He made his presence, yes, in the marriage bed. You invite his presence. And I thank God that he gave us the gift called sex. I don't know what to do, Lord. I thank him for it. I thank, y'all about to get it. I thank him for it. When he said we're fitly joined together, I thank him that we are fitly joined together. I'm going to help you out. He made it holy. This, this is why he said, who, who finds a wife finds a good thing and has obtained favor from the Lord. He didn't say, he who finds a woman. Ladies, become a wife and you will become a wife. Hear me. Hear. You saying I need a man? I'm, the fact that you said it that way, I don't know. You might need a... Good stern talking to by our counselors back on the back row. <laughs> Not only that, but in Le Leviticus chapter 27, he says that he's made money holy, called tithe. That when you invite God into your finances, he makes it holy. He breaks the spirit of poverty, the spirit of mammon, the spirit of lack over our lives. He breaks it. When we invite him, the Holy One, into our finances. The, the easiest picture I can show you is, I, if you've only been coming for a couple years, you haven't really heard the power that I believe is the, pul the power of this pulpit. Because I love the tabernacle. The Bible says that the tabernacle is a picture of heaven. I am enamored, I am infatuated with the tabernacle. Because the tabernacle is not only a representation of what we do in the sanctuary, but it is also a representation of what God is doing in heaven. If you can get through the tabernacle, this is why when I pray, I pray through the tabernacle. In my own personal prayer life, I pray the tabernacle. I walk through the stages of the tabernacle because it is a picture of heaven. But watch this. There are three places that are separated distinctively in the tabernacle of Moses. Number one is called the outer court. Number two is the inner court. And then the third is the most intimate called the Holy of Holies. The outer court, the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies. The outer court, the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies. It is separate, and then it is singular, and then it is special. It is an outer court. It is separate. 
It is the inner court. It is singular. And it is um, the holy of holies. It is special. It is like no other place on earth. Oh, can I preach on it just for a minute? Ah, the, the tabernacle. Oh, I love the tabernacle. Because there's only one access into the tabernacle. And that is at the eastern entrance called the eastern gate. Ah, it is made of two colors. It is one robe. It is one curtain. But it is made of two colors. Uh -huh. It is made of purple and it is made of red. It is made of purple because it symbolizes royalty. And it is made of red because it symbolizes the blood. I want you to understand there's only one way into the presence of God and it is through the royalty of Jesus Christ and it is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh what I love about the tabernacle is that they, they didn't open it wide this way because he can never be split, he can never be pierced. They would actually roll the tabernacle entrance up to about four feet because for you to enter into the presence of God, you can't come in with your high bougie self. You can't walk in like you got it all together. In order for you to enter into the presence of the Lord, you're going to have to bow yourself. You're going to have to humble yourself. The only way I get in is if I humble myself before the hand and the power and the presence of God through the door just in case you don't know scripture Jesus said I am the door if any man is going to come to the father they must come through me is there anybody grateful that Jesus is the way the truth and the life ah, they come and as soon as you land through the way you go right into an altar I don't know what's happened in our churches in America today that we don't want to have altars anymore. But the only way to go any deeper is you must first go through to the door into the altar. This altar is so powerful because it's a brazen altar. It has four horns. Don't make me preach on the four horns of the altar. This is why the old church would say, grab hold of the horns of the altar. Because watch this, they would take their bull and they would throw it up on the altar. The greatest thing you could do is take your bull and throw it on the altar, and whatever God receives, allow it to stay. I love the tabernacle. They would take the bull, they would throw it on the altar, then they would cut the bull's throat. They would bleed the blood, and then the priest would scoop up the blood. Watch this. While the bull is being burned on the altar, all the other ones that are being killed are surrounding it. This is what they said it was amazing in those days because in one turn of the wind, you could smell an outdoor grill. But with the next turn of the wind, all you could smell was the stench and the flies that came with all the bull. Depending on where you're standing, Depends on what you're smelling. Uh, help me, Holy Ghost. Where you're standing depends on what you're smelling. Are you smelling this thing that is a sweet savor in the nostrils of God? Or, or can all you see is the stench of being with church folk? The and the flies that are always trying to distract you. Hear me, what I'm saying. God did not call you to stay in the altar court. Hallelujah. He called us to go deeper and to go further. Everybody gets to go to the outer court as long as you got a clue to come through Jesus. But I don't want to stay in the stench of the outer court. No, I want to go deeper. Does anybody want to go deeper today? Today. Help me, Holy Ghost. 
So in order for me to go deeper into the next, this was a separate issue. You got to understand, everybody else was outside of the tabernacle. But to come into the presence of God, you had to separate yourself and come in and give yourself as a sacrifice unto the Lord through the door of Jesus Christ. But the next thing you would have to encounter was called the bronze laver. Huh? This was the place of washing. There, watch this. There was some dirt you could bring in into the outer court, but there was some dirt that had to be washed off if you were going to go any further. Oh, God, there's some things that he will take on you while you're getting saved. But if you want to go deeper, there's some washing you're going to have to have if you truly want to go deeper. So they come down to the next veil. Huh? They moved in from separation into singular. Now, watch this. Everybody doesn't get to go deeper. So they come through another veil into what's known as the inner court. In this inner court is the candles, is the table of shewbread, and is the altar of incense, which are the petitions and the prayers of the righteous people. But all the while, the only reason that priest could walk through this, further, this far is that he was carrying the blood. While he was carrying the blood, the blood was carrying him. You didn't hear what I said this morning. While he was carrying the blood, the blood was carrying him. What got you this far? The blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon that cross. And I know it was the blood for me. While he was carrying the blood, the blood was carrying him. I need you to understand. He got to the candle lampstands. He got to the table of showbread. And he got to the altar of incense. But he didn't want to just be singular. Separate is singular. He wanted to go into the realm of special. The realm of the supernatural. They called this the Holy of Holies. This was so special that only one man one time a year got to go into this level of intimacy. And the only reason he had access was the purity of his own life and the power of the blood of the sacrifice for everybody else's. And he stood in the Holy of separate, moved into singular, singular moved into special. And now he's in the Holy of Holies. Huh, hear me. They would tie a rope around the high priest's ankle and bells all around his robe because in the event there was anything in his heart, God would strike him dead for trying to walk into that level of intimacy. I know we don't preach that anymore. We tell everybody you can just do whatever you want to do, live, out, live like hell all week long, come and be a part of heaven every Sunday morning. Listen to me. There is a depth, there is a realm of supernatural intimacy that requires supernatural purity. Yeah. And if that high priest had any impurity, oh God. Can I say it the way I want to say it? They put bells all around his robes because they needed to hear him jingling, baby. Go ahead, baby. Jingling, baby. And the moment he stopped jingling, they knew he was struck dead. So they took that rope that was around his ankle, and they would drag his carcass out of there. 
I remember days when I wasn't living right and I'd walk into the holy place of God and I would be terrified. I would be trembling because I knew I was standing in a place where God's presence was. I don't know why we've gotten so casual in our world today. I don't know why we've become so commonplace, so commonplace in our world today. But I'm here today to tell you, only the holy, only the just get the power and the presence to see God. And it's my desire for having a holy place because the Holy One is there. Not my religion, not my rules. I want his glory. Yeah. I want his glory. That outer court was separate. That inner court was singular because that holy of holies was special. That was all my introduction. Now here we are in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Look at the text. In light of all this, gird your loins. Oh, I wish I was in a men's conference. Can I say this the way I want to say it? Grow a pair. GIV, Glenn International Version. Grow a pair. Gird your loins. That was comedic timing right there. Some of you got it. Gird your loins. Gird your loins. Gird them. Get, get some mm about you. Look at where it is. In your it's not that you didn't have the anatomy. It's that you didn't have the mentality. It wasn't a lack of anatomy. It was a lack of mentality. Gird your loins in your mind. It is amazing to me the victimization of our culture. Everybody's a victim. Everybody needs to lay on Dr. Phil's chair and go run and tell everybody, it, oh, you know everything I can say. We will hand out, everybody gets to participate. Gird your loins. He, if he works all things together for your good, we all have a reason that we can lay in the floor in the fetal position and watch the notebook and eat chocolate ice cream all day. We all have that. We've all gone through pain. We've all been abandoned in some way. We've all been lied to in some way. Gird, he works all things together. And if you understand that this pain is not final, that's why you're still here, then you recognize it's just an ingredient for what he's working for your good. Rest on fully hope upon the grace that is brought to you. Watch this, at the revelation of Jesus, not the revelation of you. This is not humanism. This is not you're smart enough, you're good enough, you're kind enough, you're awesome enough. I am, I am, I am. No, it's not you I am, it's he is. Because he is, I can be. It's the revelation of Jesus, not the revelation of you. you. If you sit on your throne, it will always end up being a toilet. But if he sits on your throne, you will never be despised. 
It's a revelation of Jesus. As obedient children, watch this, not conforming yourselves to the form of lust. Why would you continue to go back to what he delivered you from? Be obedient. Look at this. Not in your ignorance, but as one who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct because it is written, be holy because I am holy. Here's what the Lord said to me early this morning. Got here about six. With God, imitation is not the highest form of flattery. It is the highest form of obedience. With God, imitation is not the highest form of flattery. It is the highest form of obedience. When I am trying to imitate the holiness of God, I am trying to be obedient to what he has decreed in my life. It, oh, pastor, you sound like one of them holiness preachers. Good. Good. Praise the Lord. I am being one of those holiness preachers. Watch this. It's not about how you dress on the outside. It's about how you believe on the inside. So anything I give up, watch this, I don't give up because I have to. I give up because I get to. This is why he said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows whose are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Cleanse yourself. Deny yourself. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 10. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Let me stop here. The writer of Hebrews is saying they beat us because they thought it would make us better. God allowed this pain because he knew it would make us holy. Look at verse 11. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by the pain. I said this in the first service. Felt proud of the Lord. I feel it again in this moment. This... Oh. There are some lessons your children will not learn without a test of their rear ends. Are you telling me to abuse my kids? No, I'm not telling you to abuse your kids. That's stupid. But there's some things that a timeout's not going to fix. Oh, I'm feeling frisky. Uh-oh. If you'll test their crack at two, they won't crack your heart at 20. That was very crude. Okay, let me give you scripture. Spare the rod. Are you telling me to beat my children? I'm just quoting scripture. And hear me. You should never do anything out of anger. If your discipline is to make you feel better, that's called abuse. But if your discipline is to help shape them, I believe that's called biblical. 
Y'all, it's so hard for me to have this conversation because I got beat. I didn't get spanked. I didn't get whipped. Sitting in the middle of church on the third row. I'm going to beat you when I get you home. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you when I get you. I would go to the altar. <laughs> Start crying, asking Jesus for amnesia to hit my mother. It didn't work one time. In the present, it's painful. And if, you, if you're in a healthy situation and you're a parent, you know that scripture to be true. It is painful. Especially when they just did something that was just like you. Yeah. They got that sass and you're sitting there going, oh my God. That is exactly what I said to my mom. That's how I lost this tooth. Here, here, I'm not saying be abusive. But there, listen to me, 45 years of living, three kids that have survived. A couple of them not, but th I'm just kidding. Three kids that have survived. Have you been around my children at all? I think you would agree. Great kids, perfect, absolutely not. They have me in them. Great kids. There are some lessons pleasure will never teach them. Only pain. And I had wise people in my life in those very formidable years tell me, discipline them young and they won't kill you when they're older. And let me just, I just feel proud of the Lord. And some of you did all this. And your kids are still breaking your heart. Here's what I feel like the Lord is saying. Now imagine where they would be if you hadn't have. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's why you train them in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart. In other words, they can't get away from what's been instilled. Come on, Chris Ann. So here's the reason, and I'm done right here. Here's the, the reason we must be holy is because he is holy. He's separate, he's singular, he's special. Therefore, you and I must model how separate our relationship is, how singular our relationship is, how special our relationship is with the Holy One. Because I got an announcement, and I'm, I'm 46 last week. But now more than ever, I hear the words of Andre Crouch. Soon and very soon, we're going to see a holy king. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how do you want me to end this message today? He said, son, in the 830 service, I got this powerful woman of God. Her name's Rena. And every time I start to preach good, she'll go, paint the picture. Paint the picture. 
And it's hard for me to keep preaching because I want to laugh. I start doing this. Paint the picture. And the Lord said, son, paint the picture. So let me just paint the picture as we end this message today. We find the imagery in Revelation chapter 4. After these things I looked, and behold, a door. There's a door again. A door standing wide open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet, speaking with me, saying, Come up here, elevate, and I will show you things that must take place after this. I just want you to know there's an after this. You did, I know COVID's a big deal, but there's an after this. I know that hard times are a big deal, but there's an after this. The reason why we don't have to mourn as those who have no hope is we have this hope that there is an after this. Ah. And immediately I was in the spirit. This is why we are a spirit-filled church. Because if I can get you in the spirit, if God can draw you in the spirit, you'll catch a glimpse of what the after this is for your life. And behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he who sat upon there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the throne I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightning and thunder and voices. And seven lamps of the of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had the face of a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Anybody grateful that he's a holy God? Give him praise in this place today. Holy, separate, holy, singular, holy, special is the Lord Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. He's holy. Today, I'm calling you back to how special he is. I'm calling you back to singularity in your focus again. I'm calling you into separation with this corrupt creation. Not because of how good you are, but because of how holy he is. Would you just slip up your hands all over this room and in your own way acknowledge the greatness, the holiness of who he is in your life.
Come on all over this room. You are holy. Isaiah 6, y'all. The train of his role. Ah, it filled the temple. Yes, it did. The angels gather round him. <laughs>
Good morning, family. So thankful that you've joined us today. What an awesome time in the Word. What an awesome time in worship. God is doing amazing things here, and I know He's doing them where you are too. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. And we've been praying for you. We believe that the Lord is working on your behalf. One thing specifically that we've been praying for is for salvation to hit um, our Facebook audience, people who watch via our podcast and everything. So if that's you, and if the Lord has brought uh, salvation into your life through this service, please be in contact with us. Or maybe you need to hear more about salvation. Please be in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you at info at judachurch.org. Just send us an email. We will be right back to you. We'd love to walk that out through you. Amen. And if you're a regular member of our online audience, if you consider this your church home, I just want to remind you of the ways to give this morning. You can do it in four different ways. You can go to our website, judachurch.org. Click on the giving tab there. You can go to our app, the Judah Church app. It's very easy to give through that. You can text to give via the number right there on your screen. If it's easier for you to do, mail the check-in, 12615 Steel Creek Road. We'd love to have your gift, and we know that the Lord will honor your gift. And before we leave today, I want to pray Deuteronomy 1 and 11 over top of you today. May the God of your fathers increase you a thousand times more than you are and fulfill every promise that he has for you. We love you, Judah. See you next week.